Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I have a little bit to say today to encourage you. Maybe cast a little vision here for the next little while. And I prepared just a, just a shorter message this morning. The first is the worst. That's not the title of my message. That's just my message to you. The first is the worst. First day of work is always the worst. First doctor's appointment to take care of that issue is always the worst. They're going to get better from here on out. Week by week, these services will get better. We'll feel better. We'll be working our way back to normal. Let's get through today. Right, Brother Rich? The first is the worst, but they get better from here. I promise you that. So I'm just, I'm going to share a few thoughts with you this morning. Thank you so much for all that, that contacted me and, and uh, many people have uh, reached out to us and we've reached out to as many as we could. Uh, Brother Kylie and Brother Steve uh, helped me out with that. It became, I, I, boy, I thought I was the gab king. Some of you all like to chat on the phone. And, uh, and so I enjoyed some half hour, 45 minute, hour long conversations occasionally. And it was, uh, was wonderful. And uh, they're, they're out of town uh, this weekend for Memorial Day, as many of our folks were, and, and they've contacted me and let me know. Uh, but I thought this would be a good opportunity, a, a soft opening of the church, so to speak. If there, there is a, a time for us to begin to acclimate, what a great time. So thank you, all of you, for who, who have kept things going and who've continued and were faithful. So many commented on our Facebook feed, so many sent messages, uh, again, phone calls. I got great emails, text messages. I just, you don't know how incredibly powerful and important that was. And, and the unity and the, and the bond that was felt and, and the strength that we got from that. Those of us that were here every week um, looking at uh, 400 empty chairs and, and ministering and singing and, 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 and praising and sharing the word of God. Um, it was a tough time at first. It was challenging. But I want to tell you that God came here. He was with us every single week in powerful ways. Sister Angela can attest to that. Our folks up, up top, they're operating cameras and sound. God would move in this place in incredibly powerful ways. Uh, uh, just the, the worship was tremendous. He would visit us. Uh, uh, we, we received word from him. Uh, just incredible times every time, before service and after service. And I said to the group last week, there's absolutely no reason why that that can happen with all of you present. And it should. And God's going to continue to move. So next week is Pentecost Sunday. And most of all, us will be home. Every, everybody will be back. I would hope that as many can be here as possible will. Um, and that is going to be a better opportunity because I personally would like to recognize some just outstanding uh, contributions that some of our team would make. Are you all okay with that? I, and I know some of you did your mission and, and you were home and you were, we were being civilly obedient and you were tuning in and all that. I don't want to take away from anybody's time during this time. But there were some among you who t- went to extraordinary lengths and did some wonderful things. And, and uh, I would like to take a part of next week, Pentecost Sunday, and just recognize a couple of folks. Is that okay? All right. Thank you. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend, so aside from all of this stuff coming back and reuniting and reopening, um, I do not want to be remiss in this, and I would like to recognize this morning um, any of our veterans in the house. If our veterans could stand this morning, veterans in the house, I know we got a couple, 
Sister Christina, Brother Nathan, Brother Matucci, Brother Hickey. Again, as always, we honor and we bless our veterans. And we thank you for your service. And we need to remember what you did, what you contributed in in your time in the service uh, for our nation. And so this weekend, we will not be remiss in that on our time off and our time of fellowship, being thankful for folks like Brother Matucci, Brother Hickey, Brother Nathan, and Sister Christina, who who sacrificed their time, potentially even their lives, uh, and and served our nation. And so thank you very much for that. And we honor that. We don't take that lightly. I have another announcement I made this morning amongst our prayer group, uh, and that is, is and unfortunately, because of the, the, uh, the shutdown time, the time of quarantine, many probably didn't know this, uh, but this morning is Sister Carol Parton's last service with us, and so she's in the back of the room there, and uh, she is making a sacrifice of her own. She has some family that are struggling in health, and she notified me a month or two ago, I believe it was probably a couple months ago at least, that um, she would be moving to Shawano uh, to, to help them out. She's going to be moving in with a family. And uh, so this is her last service with us. So if we could all stand one more time. Sister Parton, would you mind coming forward just by yourself? Now, a lot of you know, but maybe some of you don't know, that Sister Carol Parton is uh, Sister Kim Bigley's mom. And uh, so she's leaving behind her daughter and her son-in-law and her grandson and her granddaughter, uh, just temporarily. I know you'll be traveling back. But uh, I'd like to pray a prayer blessing over Sister Parton as she moves on and the wonderful work that she's going to do with her family. Uh, She's been with us many, many years. She's blessed this church mightily. Uh, um, She's been uh, a key person in our visitor contact. I don't know if many of you know that, but she writes letters and puts it all together, and we send them out for all of our visitors. So she's been diligent in that role for a long time, been very faithful. Uh, It has produced additional contacts. People have called from from that, and we've we've made additional contacts, and so we want to thank her this morning. So let's say a prayer for Sister Parton this morning. Normally I would anoint her and pray, but we'll just pray right from here if that's okay. Is that all right? Jesus' name. Lord... We're very thankful for Sister Parton, Lord God, and all that you have done in her life and the ministry that she's brought here to Abundant Life. Lord, you know that she will be sorely missed, a dear, wonderful part of our family, God. But I pray a blessing upon her this morning, Lord, that you would cover her, anoint her, Lord, in this work that she's going to do, ministering to to family members that are struggling, Lord, watching over them, sacrificing her home, her home church, Lord, to go and be with them. Bless her, guide her, and be with her in all that she does moving forward. And when she returns frequently for visits, let us receive her and love her and have some fun and fellowship and good times and share memories and stories and watch over her. In Jesus' precious name, we ask for your anointing on her. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. She'll be leaving out of here on Saturday next week. Uh, There's a caravan that'll be taking her north, and we're gonna be helping her pack up. So um, definitely reach out and say hi, but we have a little something for Sister Parton this morning. So um, there you go, Sister Parton. We're gonna miss you. You bet, you bet, you bet. We'll see you on Saturday. All right. You can be seated again. I'm going to move right along very quickly, not to keep you too long. Um, I do have one piece of, of news that I do have to share with you that's uh, unfortunately, uh, with a very heavy heart, I have to share with you that we lost uh, Brother Steve Whitman on Saturday. Um, Saturday morning, I received a call about 3.30 in the morning, and he had just passed away. He had been at home 
Um, uh, they had sent him home on Wednesday. I was with him at Freighter Hospital on Tuesday afternoon. He had had a massive stroke um, while they were trying to treat him for some other things and get him back to his cancer treatment. And um, he was cognitive. I got to spend some time with him. I could barely hear him, but he was speaking. Uh, things declined, and they decided to send him home Wednesday evening uh, with hospice care, and um, he passed away on Saturday. So please keep Sister Becky uh, in your prayers. She got to be there with him at home as he passed away peacefully in his sleep um, at his side, and so information on that will be coming uh, forthcoming soon. Uh, but just remember Sister Becky, uh, Becky in your prayers, and... Uh, we're, we're definitely praying for her, and we, we got to be with her, there with her. Uh, Brother Calhoun from uh, LifePoint Church in, excuse me, LifeSpring Church in Brookfield, who is a professional uh, funeral director, as many of you know, uh, is by her side and was immediately in, in place and, and was taking care of things. So, appreciate that very much. Uh, moving on, we are finally home, and it's good to be back. Uh, as I said, church is going to be a little bit different for a little while, uh, just continue to practice uh, good thoughts. I think our focus uh, is going to remain on uh, just a little bit of that social distancing and uh, just, just the basic uh, things that they've laid out for us, the guidelines that I shared with you. I think that will be very respectful. It is civilly responsible. And, uh, and, and it's not going to stop us from praise and worship, is it? No, it's not. It's not going to stop God from moving in this place and doing what he's going to do. And I will personally see to that. Uh, we are doing our best to comply with uh, safety and procedural guidelines we've been given by the state, the county, but also uh, our general superintendent, Brother David Bernard, has issued many uh, uh, comments and, and directions uh, for us. Our general, uh, or excuse me, our district superintendent, uh, Brother Jim Booker, has also provided some guidance and direction. I've sought him. Our section president, uh, Brother Joe Hanthorne, of course, our our own trustee board has been meeting with me all along this process. We've had some emergency meetings when we needed to, um, and they've been incredible uh, in, in that process. And so uh, we're just doing our best to be civilly responsible, but we will not allow our freedoms uh, to be restricted permanently. We will not stop God for what God is going to do. We follow the law and order of God first and the law of man second. And I would point out that uh, even in the times of captivity, and I'm going to talk a little bit about captivity today. Uh, in those times of captivity, the Hebrew children, the three Hebrew children and, and Daniel were, were honorable in Nebuchadnezzar's court. They followed his law, and because they were respectful, because they were honorable, they were lifted and elevated in Nebuchadnezzar's court. And uh, it was not until they were asked to do something that defiled God's law that they had a problem, and God delivered them through that as well. And so I just want to let you understand the perspective that I come from in that. We want everybody to feel comfortable and safe uh, to come and enjoy church. <laughs> Especially Josabelle. She's praising. She's not worried. A little sweetie. Uh, we want everyone to feel comfortable and safe to come to church and enjoy it. And so we're just asking everybody to just respect the fact that not all of us are all the way far down the road as some are. I know some of you are very brave and courageous and feel confident and I'm ready to go and pastor, let's just have normal church. And, and then some are a little bit kind of catching up with us. So rather than run out ahead of everybody, why don't we just kind of wait till everybody kind of comes along and catches up with that spot and it'll happen much quicker than you think it will and we'll be rolling right along and doing just fine, okay? Um, uh, as I said before, the first is the worst. It's going to get better from here going out. Uh, it might just take us a little bit of time. So uh, just continue to respect each other's space. Um, but remember, give it in love and receive it in love. 
somebody's getting a little too close or reaching out or you don't want a handshake, just be kind. Nope. You know, just throw a hand up. Somebody thrust a hand out this morning and I took it and I shook it <laughs> because I'm okay with that. Now I'm on camera telling that. <laughs> Mr. Cordell. Um, you saw we have a new offering process, so thank you, uh, Brother Meyer, for that. Um, and we're going to keep that in place. Uh, we began talking about this. About 70 or 75% of our folks are, are giving online now. And so, uh, and it's really efficient, and it's really fast, and it's not costing the church anything, and it just rolls really, really well. And uh, so those that aren't comfortable with that, we just felt like if you're in that place where you want to continue to bring your offering to the church, you want to bring that check or, or cash or whatever it is, we're going to continue to do that. We're going to worship in our giving and we can never forget that our giving is a form of worship and so we'll continue to do that process after third song each week uh, the ushers will just naturally come down what we don't want to do is we don't want to bring the service to a screeching halt if we've got a tremendous powerful worship service going and and folks just are really feeling something great from God and it's a wonderful time we don't want to bring that to a halt create a clunk and then say okay time to, to get your checks out we don't want to do that what we want to do is just continue the flow of the spirit and so they'll just naturally come up They'll set the two buckets down. Those that want to give uh, in that way can just make their way up. If there's fo folks up here at the altar and they're worshiping and they're praying, just work your way around them. That's okay. We'll be all right. And then they'll go ahead and just take those out and we won't stop that service flow and we'll just keep things moving. And I think that'll work out really well. Um, altar service today, and, and we will do our normal altar service call time, and that'll be sort of our unofficial dismissal. And of course, we always encourage you, uh, spend some time you know, uh, in altar time. Now, if you are not comfortable, uh, you have altar service in your place where you are. Many people do that. Uh, those that come down, again, just be respectful of space. Uh, but we want you to feel freedom and, and confidence that you can come uh, to our altar service and spend some time with God in prayer and worship. Okay? All right, I know this isn't the fun stuff for today. Uh, be willing to speak out kindly, and, and if things are uncomfortable, uh, go ahead and say so, and be willing to receive it in love and kindness if someone has the courage to say, I'm not comfortable with that, or, or if you step away a little bit. Just receive it, that it's going to be okay. And I've seen some of that already today. You're wonderful people, kind and wonderful people. We have a great church and a great family of God. I'm so glad to be back together with all of you. So, I'm going to go to the Word this morning. You can remain seated. I do not have an opening scripture for you, but I'll get to some. Um, I want to talk to you today, this morning, very briefly, about the temple and the wall. The temple and the wall after captivity. When I first started this wonderful journey that was uh, sort of enforced upon us through this process, uh, I opened with a, with a message that I called Escaping Captivity, if you remember that. We talked about, and I talked with you, about the Israelites in captivity. And, uh, and, and there was a message to that, and there was a purpose to that. Now, this is a little bit of a different circumstance in, in, in what has happened with us and why, why this is here. And many people pondered and wondered, you know, did God bring this thing to, did God create the COVID virus? I'm going to tell you, God did not create this, okay? However, like God always does, whatever man afflicts upon man, and you can look at it however you want to look at it, I don't want to get into the science of it, but however man afflicts man, God somehow always manages to use that process process for his benefit and for his glory and for his goal. And as I said to you earlier, I believe in my heart of hearts that this thing was brought to us for many powerful reasons. We're, we're going to find out that there's things about ourselves and within ourselves that have changed because of this process. I said earlier, you can't come out of this thing going, being just like you were when you went into it. 
It's not good enough. It's a standard that's no longer good. The world has changed, like it or not. You know, when you go to the airport, many of you probably forget it's been so long already that it just seems natural. But there's a dozen different things that you have to do to fly in an airplane have nothing to do with anything prior to September 11, 2001. But it's become part of our life. It's become part of what, what, what we do. Many of you fly, maybe some regularly. And so it has become what it is. We can't do anything about that. It's not for us to do. But what we can do is we can look at this situation, look at ourselves, and say, God, what have you got in it? What is it about this process that was meant to do something for this nation, for this church, for me personally? We've got to look introspectively and see. I've seen crazy things that they've talked about. Uh, 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 waterways cleared up in some cities that had pollution because nobody was using them and factories weren't working and, and the environment. Of course, there's now this big thing. Hey, let's stay shut down forever. The earth will come back and it'll be okay. As man goes extinct. But <laughs> that some would like that. Some would like there to be about five people on planet earth. But... My first message was under the crisis in, in, in escaping uh, captivity, but I want to talk to you today about after captivity, about the temple in the wall. It's fitting that it's Memorial Day weekend, in my opinion, that this opened up. I think we need to set a memorial for what God has done in this time. What has he done for I can tell you the folks that have been here, I, I mentioned it earlier. The praise and the worship has been powerful. I can tell you that at home, God has dealt with me in my studies and just diving deeper in my time of prayer, diving deeper. I was able to shed off so much other distraction and other things. I realized that we were running almost a rat race of Christian dedication, going from here to there to this meeting and to that event and that particular thing. Those are all good things and we continue to do that. We're gonna continue to be a community. But what I'm talking about is the way my brain was working. It was like live to survive today let's get to the next thing and survive today and I'm reeling I'm realizing there wasn't the meaning in it and the power in it that God has intended for us we were not create created to run on a wheel like a hamster just trying to get from one place to the next to survive the day from one day to the next that's not what we're called to do we're called to be awesome we're called to be great we're called to be powerful we've got the Holy Ghost inside of us there's something that's dwelling inside of us that's trying to reach out and say there's a lost and dying world out there and I've got people, I've got a set of legs and a set of hands and a couple of eyes and ears that are walking around just trying to survive through this life and get through the next day. I didn't create you to survive. That's not what we're here for. We're not here just to get from one day to the next. I'm telling you, there's just things that God has spoken into my heart over this thing. What this church is capable of, what this thing could accomplish, the beacon that this thing could be in this community. But we're going to have to unify. We're going to have to have that same revelation. We're going to have to go through that experience together and let God wake us up. The temple effectively was destroyed. I'm talking about this temple. Now, I'm going to use a lot of euphemism this morning. When I talk about temples, sometimes I'm talking about this church building. Sometimes I'm talking about this building right here. I walked this building. I was here almost every day. I walked this building, went through the halls and prayed. And, and, and I saw the, the empty classrooms where there should be little ones in their Sunday school doing their books of the Bible and their daily scripture and singing their little songs. And I walk through the youth area and there's no young people there. Not sure where our young people are today. Got a couple of them here, but somebody snatched them. But I walked through and I, I just, it, there was a couple of times I just, I just wept. 
It's wrong. The temple was destroyed. It was gone. There's no church. You know why? Because you're the church. You're the body. You're the temple, and it was taken away. And I kept thinking, this isn't right. Something's wrong. We, this shouldn't happen this way. I'm not being political here. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking spiritually now. No voices. No children. No people. No classes going on. Nobody in, just a couple of us in the office. It was a tomb coming in here. I couldn't pray in here. It, was, it just echoed, and it was scary. And, and, and I pray in here all the time when there's nobody here. But because of this time, it was strange. I found myself going to my office for my prayer time. The temple was effectively brought down. And I didn't like it. And I hope you didn't like it either. What are we going to do about it? The temple in Jerusalem, the, the temple that Solomon built in 968 B.C., was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. He was a Babylonian king. He sacked Jerusalem. He destroyed the temple, wiped out the entire city, tore it down in 586 B.C., carried them off into, into captivity. I mentioned earlier, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's not their, their Hebrew names, by the way. That's the names that they got in Nebuchadnezzar's court. I'm not going to try to pronounce them right now. I could read it out of that Bible, but it's Mishael and all that stuff. You know. But they were honorable in Nebuchadnezzar's court. They followed his rules, so much so that they were raised up in the, in the court, as I mentioned, and they were honored and they were given great privilege. Daniel, for example, constantly in the court of the king. But it wasn't until the time when, when they were asked to do something that defied God's law that they had a problem. And so what happened, you know the story. I'm not, gonna, I'm not preaching on Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace today, but I will say this. And I've said this before, they stood when everyone else kneeled. They stood and said, no, we follow the law of God. And they didn't shout and holler and fight and get into it. They didn't carry protest signs and say, we, God is our God. God is, they didn't do any of that stuff. They stood in honor and dignity and said, no, if, God, if, if, if God's going to be with us, he's going to be with us. But we're with, the, we're with the God of Jerusalem. And, and they were very calm and they were very direct about it, but very honorable about it. And so, of course, you know the story. Nebuchadnezzar had a couple guards pitch him into this fiery furnace, blasted it up seven times hotter than it had ever been before. So much so that the two guards that threw him in vaporized when they got near the thing. But they were tossed into the fire. I want to tell you that that fire, when those honorable young children of God's honor were thrown into that fire, that fire stopped being a fire that you and I know and became a Holy Ghost fire. It was full of power. They stood in there. The Bible says that not one thread of their clothing was singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. But Nebuchadnezzar looked in there and said, what's going on? He saw the guards vaporize. But he looked in there and he said, wait a second. I thought we threw three in there. But I see a fourth as of the Son of Man. Jesus Christ was in the fire with them. He showed up. Boy, I was hoping I'd do better on that one. Maybe I should say it again. So he looked into the fire. There were three, but there was a fourth in there. Jesus wasn't up in there somewhere floating around in space. He wasn't in the back of the room. He wasn't somewhere else in the world. He was in the fire with them. Amen. 
I'm, what I'm saying to you is when you start walking through the fire in life, when things start getting a little tough, we start getting a little bit of friction. We want this flesh to lash out. We want to get angry. We want to call our congressman. We want to do protest signs, all that stuff. I'm not saying you can't do any of that. That's the law. We're permitted to do that. That's our legal rights. But what I'm saying to you is I want to stand in dignified confidence and say, I serve the God of Jerusalem. I serve the God of God, and I'm going to do what he tells me to do. Because you know what? When I start going through that fire, he's going to be walking right next to me. He's going to be standing right next to me. I don't need to go through all that fuss and fight and hollering and all that stuff. You can do that if you want to. For me, that's wasted breath. I want to use the breath in these lungs to minister the word of God. I want to be example of the people around me. I don't want to show my congressman. I don't want to show the police officers disrespect and anger and all that stuff. That's legal. You can do that. You can stand up, shout, and holler. I mean, they've got people throwing water on police officers and spitting on them and all this, and they don't do anything. I don't want to do that. I want to stand and show a dignified, powerful, anointed man of God so that that person says, hold on a second. Now, I was just talking to one guy, but I'm looking in his car as he's driving away, and there's somebody else in there, someone like the Son of Man. You understand what I'm saying? In a time of reflection, repentance, and redemption, the Persian king, now listen, the Persian king, a heathen king, Sirius, attacks and defeats Babylon and takes Jerusalem. Now, Sirius, Sirius, excuse me, Sirius, is the one who designates and decrees that the Jews can go back to Israel, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. How about that? A heathen king. Of course, you know that Zerubbabel, a man who's a Jewish aristocrat, born in captivity, raised up amongst the leadership, is the one who receives the call and goes back to Jerusalem and facilitates the rebuilding of the temple. Ezra chapter 1, and you can turn there with me if you'd like to. Ezra chapter 1, starting at verse 2, says this. It says, Thus, Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Somehow, that temple always gets rebuilt. Every time when the Jews would fail God, every time something would happen, they'd be attacked, they would be taken into captivity and dragged out of Jerusalem. They would destroy the city and they would destroy the temple. Many, many times Jerusalem was attacked and defeated. The temple wasn't destroyed every time. Two very critical times, one by Nebuchadnezzar and the second by the Romans in 70 AD. But the point is this, somehow something always facilitates, not somebody else coming in and building something there, not somebody else doing the job, but God would call someone, even a heathen king. Come on now, is anybody hearing me? The heathen kings ruling the nation are still favoring God's people because of who he is and what he does. And even today, the heathen kings are favoring God because one heathen king came out just a few days ago and said, churches are essential. Churches are an essential part of the community. And he freed us to come back and build the temple. You know, there were places in this country where everything was open. Liquor stores, bars, abortion clinics, all that stuff was open except churches. You still couldn't have more than nine people in a church. Our neighboring state to the west. Until a heathen king stood up and said, no, I'm going to honor the people of God. 
And I'm going to free them to go back and they're building the temple. We're rebuilding the temple today. That's what we're doing right now. We've rebuilt the temple. Some of the temple's out on Memorial Day holiday. That's okay. But we've rebuilt the temple this morning. We need to recognize the significance of that. Nehemiah was called at some point. And I'm, again, I'm not going to preach the story of Nehemiah. But I think it's important to understand Zerubbabel builds the temple, but Jerusalem was in shambles. It was destroyed. It was a mess, essentially a dung heap of, uh, of garbage and waste and things had collected around there. And, and Nehemiah just weeping and, and, and uh, just ter- feeling terrible about what had happened because the Israelites had allowed things to come into their lives. They allowed themselves to drift away from God. The captivity was because of their failure to him. You understand that if Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians had attacked Jerusalem and they had been living according to his word, if they'd been strong and powerful, nothing Nebuchadnezzar could have done would have ever taken Israel out. Jerusalem would have never fallen because it was about what was going on inside the temple, not what was happening outside. It wasn't about the heathen kings attacking. It was about the people of Israel. So Nehemiah is called. I'll tell you, Ezra and Nehemiah, phenomenal reads in a time like we're going through right now and what we just came out from, go back and read those two books. Powerful lessons in there. But Nehemiah is called not to rebuild the temple, but the walls are down. What do the walls represent? The walls represent the standards that we hold, the things that we hold true, the principles of God that we hold true. Things like being at church every Sunday morning faithfully when the doors are open to be here and worship God because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords ain't sleeping. He's not taking a vacation, not picking on the holiday, folks. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that when the doors are open, the King of Kings is here. God is here. This altar is full of his presence. But there's people, there's some people, hopefully not in our congregation, that are saying, well, it's not not really important so this week I'm not going to go well it's not that big of a deal I've got a ball game to go to okay this is Israel things were getting out of place they weren't holding the principles of God anymore they were beginning to drift away the walls had come down in the hearts of the Israelites and so Nehemiah was weeping over these physical walls that had fallen around around this beautiful temple that had been destroyed and Jerusalem was still very very guilty They were vulnerable. The city had no protection. Anyone could have come along again and started the whole thing all over again. But Nehemiah understood that the walls needed to be erected. I realize that wall building is kind of a, you know, it's a cagey political thing with some people. Trust me, I'm not talking about southern border walls. I'm not talking about all that political stuff. What I'm talking about is walls that needed to be built as a principle. It needed to establish the symbolism of living for God the way he called us to live. The Israelites were drifting away from that. They let their principles go. Things were just kind of easy. We were just sort of floating through. If it it was too inconvenient for them, they didn't want to do it. The walls came down. See, it's not enough to rebuild the temple, but we've got to rebuild the walls. Are you hearing me this morning? Does that make, were the Israelites all bad people? You have to understand, there were many, many of the Israelites that served God and did good, wonderful things and were honorable. But you know what? The, The general census was that they were failing him as a whole. And so the good ones were taken into captivity also. I didn't do anything to be shut down and quarantined and put into my house. I didn't, I didn't create a bat flu or whatever the thing they're calling it and spread it around all this stuff. I was an innocent soldier in this whole deal. 
But the good people were drawn into captivity as well, and the walls are down. And so as Nehemiah's building the wall, Sanballat and Tobiah and people like that criticizing him. Why are you building those walls, pastor? Why are you telling us to build those walls back up? I'm comfortable where I'm at. I think I should just be able to, you know, me and God have a certain thing we got going on. Pastor, why are you building walls around me? Why are you continuing to press me? And so Nehemiah's up on the wall with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other, fighting off his detractors. Why are you doing that, pastor? Why are you building that wall? That's not the wall we were comfortable with before. Are you hearing me this morning? I don't like that wall you're building, Pastor. So I'm going to pick at you, and I'm going to knock at you. And so Nehemiah just kept fighting because he knew that God was calling him to build that wall. I'm telling you this morning that we as individual Christians have walls to build. It's not just enough to rebuild the temple. I seriously, by the way, I seriously dislike the phrase, the new normal. I don't want to hear that. I, I've heard enough conditioning. If I see one more hashtag about all apart together or we're falling apart alone or every, safe, safer later but not now or I, I'm so tired of hashtags and all this mental conditioning and if you don't believe one way or the other, listen, if you want to wear a mask in this place, you go ahead and put your mask on, okay? Sister Geyer, you know what? I respect you because you're being brave. I'm so happy you're in the house this morning. I know. Amen. Sister Carrie Geyer. Listen, Sister Geyer, had, she, she sacrificed and gave a kidney to somebody. Many of you don't know that. Can I, is it okay if I let that out? No, that's, I'm sorry, I got it backwards. Someone gave one to her because she had a kidney challenge. And so she's, she's got some issues there. And I'm going to give her medical history. But she's a hero to me. I, I looked over there this morning and said, Sister Geyer's here this morning. I never expected her here to be at this time. But there she is, but she's got her mask on. She's doing what she needs to do, but she wanted to be in the house of God so much. See, she's got a wall built that says, I've got a principle that says the house of God is open and I'm going to be there. That's what I'm talking about. I seriously dislike the phrase, the new normal. I don't want a new normal. Normal's not enough. I want a brand new extraordinary. I want a new powerful. I want an old Pentecost. I don't want new normal. I don't want society to create the hashtag for the church of the living God. I don't want to live by a bumper sticker. I want us to write the rules. I want us to be printing the bumper stickers. I want us to come up with that new extraordinary. What is going on at that church down at 995 South Sawyer Road? Something is happening down there. Those people are on fire. Things are going on over there. Lives are being changed. People are being delivered. Did you hear that somebody got healed of a disease? Did you hear that there was a man suffered for a long time with depression, was delivered from it? That's what the new normal for us ought to be, the new extraordinary, the new powerful, the new meaningful. What are we if we're just sitting at, we're safer at home, everything's good. That's, there's no power in that. That's a different kind of a wall that I don't want built. And we can't build around us. You understand, I'm not encouraging the church to build walls up in order to hold people out. I don't want a club. I don't want a special membership group here. I don't want some sort of a, of a country club. I'm talking about walls of principle, things that we can stand up for because there's a lost and dying world out there that is hungry for righteousness. They want something different than all of that mess and that anger and that fighting and all that terrible stuff that they see out there. And they can come into a place like this and see people loving on one another and hugging and powerful, amazing worship. It's so powerful that we're in tears. We're up here overwhelmed 
overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. And people come in and see that and go, wow, this is something different. This is something positive. This has given me hope. That's the new powerful that I'm talking about. I want a double portion like Elijah desired of, excuse me, Elisha desired of Elijah. What we've not had before, stronger unity, greater faith, oh, more people powerfully affected by this message. We can learn to hold back those things. Something grinds you about somebody, we can learn to swallow that thing and put it away and say, I love them anyway. I'm not going to allow the unity to be destroyed. That's what I'm looking for. Warriors who are willing to say, all oh, these little nitty-pickety things that I worried about before, it's meaningless now. When you were sitting at your home and you didn't know when COVID was going to end and how long were you going to be locked up in your house, were you thinking about all these, well, I don't like how so-and-so said that to me one time. I'm not really... It was amazing how all the petty things and all the silliness and all of that melted away because we were looking at a time we had no idea how long we were going to be imprisoned in our homes. That's what I'm talking about when I say we can't be coming out what we were going in. We've got to be different. I promise you, I promise you, I'm doing everything I can to be different. God is dealing with me in this. Buddies, I... Six months. I'm a pastor for six months and the world has a global pandemic. For Pete's sake, give me a minute to get my feet wet, would you? You could ask these guys. The first couple of weeks, I hate this camera thing. The first couple of weeks coming in here, I was a wreck. I didn't know what to do. I, I never, we didn't have a camera system in place. We had nothing. Called them up on that Tuesday night and I said, we need an emergency meeting. And they came out here, a whole bunch of them, our tech people, our pastor board, our trustee board, and our elders came out, met with us. All of a sudden, boom, Brother Marty's got a $2,000 camera. Here you go. Here, we got a camera system. I'll hook it up. Next thing we know, we got online giving. Everything was put together in three days. But I drove home from that meeting that night, that Tuesday night, and I wept. Oh, most of the way home. I wept because driving into that meeting, I'm going, God, what do I do? What am I going to do? I need you. I have no idea how we're going to do this. And driving home, all the answers were there because we had unity. Because, see, we've got walls that we've built, things that we're not going to get let get knocked down by an enemy who just wants to destroy us anyway. You think your pastor fears the government? Those of you that saw my video and read the things that I put, you think I fear the government? I don't fear the government. I don't fear arrest. I don't fear prison. I'll pray over somebody right now, by the way. I will come within six centimeters of somebody. If somebody stood up and said, Pastor, I'm in dire need of prayer this moment, I will pray for that person, and I'll do it on camera. If you need, if you need to pray and you agree, I'll pray for you. I'm not afraid of anything a man can do to me. Psalm 118, 5 and 6 is my source Verse 5 says, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and sent me, and set me, excuse me, in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? We just got done journeying through the book of Acts, the very beginning of the Christian church, the founding document, the book of Acts. Multiple times, believers, leaders sent to prison for preaching Jesus. 
beaten for it. Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 16. But what happened every single time? Those powerful men and women of God sitting in prison. Woe is me. I'm going to write a letter to my congressman. I'm protesting. I'm going to bang on the bars with a cup. No, not at all. They sat there and the Bible says that they sang and they praised and they worshiped. And what happened as they worshiped? The Bible says that a great earthquake came and the foundations began to shake the prison. The doors were flying open. Angels were taking them out. Even so much so that one of the prison keepers was about to kill himself. You know what happened? Paul reached out and said, don't do that. We're not going anywhere. We'll stay right here. We're just going to continue to praise with the door open. And that man was saved too. There was no fussing and fighting, no arguing, just doing what God called us to do. You know why? Because they had walls built up in their lives that said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to conduct ourselves. We rebuilt the temple today because you're here. We are the body. We are the church. We are the temple. They can close this building. They can, it may come. In our lifetimes, we may see tax exemption gone. You know, if we lose tax exempt status, <laughs> unless we got a couple of trillionaires in the group here this morning, we're done in a building. But I'll meet in a field if I have to. I'll shout through a megaphone if I have to. We are the body. And we will continue to go on if we build our walls. Because if that attack comes, if something happens, we can't fall apart as a group. We can't fall apart as a body. We've got to have a wall that stood up that says, nope, this unity is too strong. These boulders are going to stand one on top of another. These stones can't be taken down. And if we have to go into my backyard and have Bible study services and preaching and worship, then we're going to my backyard. But we've got to have those walls standing up. They took us into captivity. They took us away from Jerusalem, but we kept praising. We kept singing. We kept ministering. I was, it was remarkable to me, every phone call that I made, every person I talked to, positive, uplifted spirits. I was working a lot, quite a bit with some of the folks I felt were a little more vulnerable, some of our widows, some of our single ladies. That I was worried about, were they getting medications? My wife and I were getting ready to go grocery shopping. Were you getting your groceries? Did you, did you have what you need? Are you afraid? Are you sitting at your home in fear? I didn't know. I had no idea, and so I'm, I'm, I'm fast tr trying to get through those calls, but I'd get a person on the phone, and they're, they're in joy, and, and oh yeah, we're doing good, and I've got somebody, and everything's good. I kept telling her, honey, we don't have to go. We don't have to shop. We don't. They're all taking care of one another. Why? Because we got the walls. The foundation are there. The temple has already been built. This is the temple. You are it. But the walls are there, and they're holding tight. Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 23, says this. It says, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them in the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, his job, trust them, excuse me, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard them. It's a key part of that verse. Everybody heard what, they weren't over in the corner going, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all the, oh no, 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 uh-uh. No, I believe in my mind's eye. I see Paul and Silas and I, we're, they're sitting in that prison cell and they're clapping their hands and they're singing just like that. 
shouting the praises of God. The prisoners heard them. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately, all the doors were open. All the doors, not just Paul and Silas's door. You see, this power that we have has the ability to open prisons for everybody we come into contact. This praise and this worship that we do doesn't just free us. It frees everybody. All the doors were open. And everyone's bands were loosed, the Bible says. Everyone's bands were loosed. Everybody in that whole prison, the doors were open and their bands were loosed. The shackles fell. Everybody, not just Paul and Silas. That's the power we possess and the mission that we're called to now. I'm closing this morning. If we can have our musicians, you can stand with me. Thanks to the COVID crisis, our eyes have been opened to what's possible in our community. Some people were shocked. How can this happen in America? How can this happen? We're, we're the free. We're Americans. We can't be arrested for taking our child by ourselves out into a park to play soccer in America. That can't happen, but it did. We can't arrest a pastor for holding services Churches actually are mentioned in the Bill of Rights, right? All that other stuff that's being given rights is not mentioned in the Bill of Rights. Churches, religious assembly is in the Bill of Rights. And they said, no, you can't have services. In the United States of America, our eyes have been open. I'm not here to scare anybody this morning, but I'm telling you, if you didn't see what they're capable of and you think that's it, well, that was the worst to ever happen. We're good now. We're all good going forward. No, 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 no. No. Build your walls. Keep the temple in shape. Build your walls because we know what's possible. We know what they can do. We know what can happen. And now we'll be prepared if you're willing to build your walls. A new foundation has been laid, though, in this temple. I want to read Ezra 3 and 10. And 11, it says this, Now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, and priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel, they sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord. You know what? We're on camera. Now, most of that camera stuff is probably going to be here from the platform back. So don't be afraid to come to church. You know, they're going to see me on camera and all that stuff. It's going to be focused. We're going to make sure of that. But I'm going to tell you what. People are going to see things about the United Pentecostal Church they've never seen before. They don't understand this shouting and all this fuss. You know why? Because they've never been into the Word of God. They don't know what it means. You can go to a Packer game. I've seen people shout just as loud and crazy in their television as they have right at Lambeau Field. That's totally okay in our society. But see, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers aren't going to save my soul. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to see my friend healed. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to deliver people from cancer. Aaron Rodgers he, he, has nothing to do with anything that's very meaningful in our lives. And so when you look at me and say, Pastor, why are you shouting? Why are you praising the way you are? That's crazy. That's not what church is. They're going to see now. They're going to see now why we shout and we worship. Because I serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who's going to pull my soul out of hell and who's going to save me. 
Yes, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. The foundation of the house was laid. And now we continue to build the walls of our hearts. We guard against the enemies. We prepare for the challenges, but the wall is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The wall is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. That's the wall that we're going to build. And we're not going to back off of those principles. We're not going to stop defending against the enemy. Those walls don't hold people from coming back, coming in. What they do is they hold us from flittering out and being pulled out into captivity. That's what those walls are for. It's not for them. It's for us. And the walls are the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Lord, we're thankful, God. We're so appreciative of your word. Lord, today I thank you for the saints who came out today, the brave and the bold who came out and said, I want to worship you today, God. Lord, we stand together in your temple as your temple. We stand together building our walls together. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.